Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we check in with Rick Zamperin of 900 CHML in Hamilton to talk about this upcoming weekend's game between the Ticats and the Bombers. Then Jamie Thomas joins us to preview the Young Stars Classic for the Winnipeg Jets. That's all coming up on the podcast. Let's continue our look ahead to the Blue Bombers trip to Hamilton this weekend. As we get the view from the other side from Rick Zamperin with our sister station 900 CHML in Hamilton. Going into the season, all of the hopes were lying on the shoulders of Bo Levi Mitchell. If I told you when he went out that they'd be 5-7 and seven heading into this game, what would you have told me? Well, I would have said, you know what, that's a legitimate possibility because Matt Schiltz is, I think, a legitimate starter in this league. Now, if you were told me that both Bo Levi and Matt Schiltz would be out uh, for a considerable amount of time and they'd be two games under 500 by this time of the season, I would have said, no way, Jose. But here we are, five and seven, and I'm still not sure how they accomplished this, but uh, you know they've they've had some really bad games, but they've had some really good games, including their last game against Ottawa. At least the second half was good, and the game in BC I thought was probably their most complete, most explosive, most entertaining game of the season. So, yeah, without believe I would have said it was a possibility. Without number one and number two on the QB depth charts, um, as I mentioned, I, I, I would have had a really a hard time believing they would have won five games at this point. Now they have won. All three of their meetings with Ottawa, which certainly helps. <laughs> yeah. They did beat as well the Elks, which, you know, back in the day when Edmonton never won at home uh, in July. But that win in BC really stands out because that was maybe the most stunning result in a game this season. BC was coming off a loss to Saskatchewan, but still viewed as one of the best teams in the league. And then Hamilton just takes care of business. I mean, that was such a perhaps season defining win for Hamilton, but. This schedule they've got coming up, it's pretty tough. Yeah, that, that game in BC, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere. You know, they're, they were not playing particularly well. There wasn't a lot of confidence going into BC place because no one had beaten the Lions in BC, and that remains their only home loss in, in, in terms of BC. But they played extraordinarily well from right from the start, which they haven't done a lot of this season. But from here on in, yeah, it is sort of a bit of a gauntlet. And it includes this weekend, obviously, against the Bombers. You know, whenever there's a team that puts up 52 on an opponent, uh, you're going to take notice. And Winnipeg seems to do that with uh, much more regularity than any other team, that is for sure. But then it's Toronto, and then it's a massive game against the Stamps in Hamilton and what could decide whether or not Calgary crosses over or not. And then they're in Saskatchewan, which is a, a huge game as well. And then I'm sure BC is going to want some revenge towards the end of the season. I think they close out in Montreal, which could be, you know, at that point in time, could be for second place in the East. So yeah, the toughest part of the schedule and, and probably the most fascinating as well is coming up here with the last third of the season. So how would you grade the Taylor Powell experience to this point? You know what? I, I wasn't expecting a whole heck of a lot if I'm being a hundred percent honest. And what we have gotten is I think of the start, you know, his first ever pass is a touchdown to Tim White against Edmonton. And they win that game after Schultz gets hurt earlier on the season but, you know, since then, he has been pretty surprisingly solid for a guy who had never taken a snap in the Canadian Football League coming into this season. Um, you know, his touchdown-to-interception ratio is more than respectable at 8-4. to four. He's, You know, he, he throws for a decent amount of yards per game. His first, I would say, 
three or four starts, probably just game manager mode. I'm sure the coaching staff and at that point in time, offensive coordinator Tommy Condell, and I'm sure that's still the case with Scott Milanovic, have told him, listen, you've you, you got to be a game manager. You can't make the mistakes that will you know, penalize this team and, and put us in bad field position or turn over the football that leads to points for the other team. And he's done a pretty good job in doing that. Um, I wouldn't call him an explosive quarterback. He hasn't really wowed us with his physical abilities, but he's making the throws. His progressions um, you know, are, are on point. The offensive line, I think, has helped in that regard, too, and playing some better football as the season has gone on. I would give Taylor Powell a pretty solid check mark. I've been pleasantly surprised. What about the defense? Because I think going into the season, there was expectations that the defense should be solid. And let's face it, believe I Mitchell have got a lot of headlines, but this defense you'd think would be decent. It really hasn't been all that good this year. 326 points allowed through 12 games is right near the top of the league. What have you thought of the defensive performance so far? I was, uh, to, to be honest, I, I thought the defense would be the strength of this team going in. And, you know, they've had some okay performances or, or okay halves, but they really haven't been that solid of a unit. Um, you know, they, they had a, 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 a makeover in the secondary in which a lot of pieces had exited the building and, and new guys were coming in. Uh, you know, they made some tweaks on their linebacking core as well, bringing in Jameer Thurman and Chris Edwards and, and on the D-line, you know, a lot of familiar faces had been back, but, you know, the injury bug kind of bit them early, especially with Dylan Wynn getting hurt late last year, and he hasn't really been on the field that that um, uh, for any considerable length of time this season. So it, it has been a little bit of work in progress. They have played some really good games and some really good stretches, but consistently game in, game out, it, it's a question mark because you don't know what you're going to get. And I think in, in some regards or in some games, that has put some pressure on the offense to do a little bit more than what is asked of it. Um, the defense has to you know, tighten the screws coming down this stretch because there are some heavy-hitting opponents coming up. So it's going to be a big test for this D to get the job done. Hamilton, 1-5 and five at home this year, 4-2 and two away. Is that just a matter of the games they've played at home a bit against better opponents, or can you put anything else to that record? I don't know. That is a strange stat to me. You know, historically, this team has been really strong at home, especially in the early days of Tim Hortons Field. But, hey, listen, the schedule is the schedule. you got to play the teams that are going to come to the barn, whether it's at the early part of the season or mid or, or, or the last third, as we're going to find out here. It's a really strange stat, and that is exceptionally weird for any team that considers itself a Grey Cup contender. And I'm not sure... Hamilton right now at five and seven would say, yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're charging towards the cup. You look at teams like all the bombers and the Argos leading the pack. And I'd probably put BC in there and everyone else is kind of, you know, chasing those three teams, but to be one and five at home in any league is, is not very good to be four and two away is to me, the more surprising thing. Cause I thought, you know, this team that it would, you know, those records would be reversed and they would be a much better home team because usually you are better at home. You got the home crowd, you know, Nine times out of ten, you might get you know a home call from the referee or the officiating, as we've seen from time to time. That is one of the strangest statistics of this 2023 season in, in terms of this Ticats team. Two home losses to Toronto, two home losses to Montreal, and then the Elks home loss, which mm-hmm. jumps off the page for sure. So looking at this game then on Saturday, the, these two teams met in week one. Hamilton put up 31 points, I, I think because Winnipeg kind of gave them a bunch of points. Uh, 42-31 <laughs> was the final of that one. Does that game have any bearing on what we see this weekend? Because it was June 9th. It was a while ago. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so. I know. I don't think the Ticats are like, hey, we're going to get those bombers back because they, you know, whooped our butts back in week one. It's it. It's almost not an entirely different team, but you know, Bo Levi's not on the field. You know, QB three and Powell is, is probably going to get the start, even though Matt Schultz is back at practice and, and throwing the ball around. You know, the defense has. You no, know, there still has been some tweaks to the D, especially the secondary, and we'll see it again likely this week with Richard Leonard. Uh, probably going to be ruled out as he suffered a, a pretty bad uh, head injury against the Red Blacks. So, listen, Zach Caleros, I'm sure, is going to have some success against this Ticats defense. But, um, you know, Hamilton is looking at, you know, this opponent, each and every opponent as, you know, one-game kind of playoff scenario that, that they have to win a number of games to get in. Right now I know they're keeping Calgary at bay in terms of that crossover spot. But, yeah, week one is a long time ago, and I'm sure even if Bo Levi was healthy all season, this would be a much different game because both these teams are, are, are a little bit different considering what, where they were back in June. But we also remember what happened last year. Bombers coming off a big win in the Banjo yeah. Bowl, coming into Hamilton on a high note, and the Tiger Cats were dominant. But Dane Evans had maybe his best game ever yeah. in that one. He was unstoppable, and the Bombers' defense couldn't couldn't stop the the Tiger Cats. But... I get the feeling we're not going to see that repeated on Sunday or Saturday. Personally, I don't know what you think is going to happen. Yeah, I was, you know, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, and I thought, you know, Winnipeg just put up 62. They were kind of not, not necessarily coasting, but were in full cruise control in the second half against the Riders. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, Winnipeg's coming to Hamilton, you know, off a of, off a big win against a uh, you know division opponent, their arch rivals, you know, getting you know. A uh, little revenge from their Labor Day loss, but I'm thinking, listen, Mike O'Shea is not going to let that happen. There's no way Coach O'Shea is going to go in that locker room and say, "Guys, we got it made in the shade against the Ticats." I'm sure they are thinking about last year's game and not wanting to have a repeat. The Ticats can't really look to that game to say, "Okay, we can do it again," because there's been so many changes roster-wise on this team. So, yeah, I'm expecting a much better effort from the Bombers in Hamilton this year compared to last year. And likewise, that was going into a bye week like they are this week after yeah. the Hamilton game, a 48-31 loss after hanging 54 on the Riders. This year they hang 51 on the Riders, and, and they're going into Hamilton again. The parallels are, are quite similar, but uh, again, it's mostly the same roster here for Winnipeg, so I would anticipate that. I, I just don't personally, Rick, see how Hamilton could win this game other than Winnipeg giving the ball away a bunch like they did in their first meeting this year. Well, yeah, take this into consideration, too. After this game, the Ticats are in Toronto. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm not going to accuse Hamilton of looking ahead of the schedule. But, you know, we, we've, we've you know come to know that, you know, players are human. And sometimes when things aren't going their way, they'll look at the next divisional opponent. And this happens to be an arch rival who they lost to on Labor Day as well as Toronto keeps chugging along in the standings. Um, you know, the, the Ticats are in tough. Winnipeg is the class of the league. Them and Toronto, 1A, 1B, however you want to put them. Uh, destined, I'm sure, to meet at Tim Hortons Field on November 19th. But, you know, Hamilton's quite motivated. They, they I think, have a, a game plan with Scott Milanovic offensively that has worked better than what Tommy Condell was displaying. At least they have, they have kind of proven that, not necessarily in the first half against Ottawa last week, but they're looking a little more efficient, a little more dangerous in the red zone, which is always good. But, man, that Bobbers team, is, as you guys know out there, is, is so darn good, both offensively, defensively, special teams, disciplined, uh, whether it's home or away, they are uh, really tough nut to crack. So it's going to be tough for the Tiger Cats this weekend. So I'll get you out of here on this. Do you think the Tiger Cats will make the playoffs? I, in my heart of hearts, do think they will. I know their schedule is tough, 
but, you know, you look across the table, too, and, you know, the, the riders aren't burning things up. The stamps have been in sort of free fall. I know some people are jumping on Edmonton to, you know, make a run. I, I think they're a little too far back. You know, Ottawa is, you know, they've, they've lost six in a row. They're 0-3 against the Cats. So you talk about tiebreaker uh, possibilities. The tie Cats have that as well. And, you know, the, the, the teams that Hamilton's playing down the stretch, yeah, there are some tough games, but, you know, you look at the game against the Stamps, that, that should be a, a W, I would think, even though it's at home and they're 1-5 and five at Tim Hortons Field. But going to Saskatchewan is going to be tough. Hosting BC is going to be tough. You know, at Montreal, those are all, they're all tough games, but I think they have an opportunity to win maybe two and still get in. I know that's saying a lot, you know, a six-win team getting in the playoffs. Oh. But I, I know, but is that going to be better than Calgary? Is Calgary going to win... You know, more than three games coming down the stretch. That's it's going to be interesting. Interesting is one word for it. I mean, if a six word, a six win team gets into the playoffs, going to Montreal. I mean, someone has to get the playoff spot. It's not going to be a team we think is going to win the Great Cup, but someone's going to get in. Well, and that's the key. You get in, and anything can happen. It's to throw the record out out the window because whether you are you know, sub 500 or well over 500 in a one playoff game scenario. And we've seen some upsets in playoff years gone by. It, it takes a good day versus a bad day. One team getting a couple lucky bounces, maybe a turnover or two. And, and who knows what will happen. It's happened before and I'm sure it'll happen again. It's just determining which team can get uh, that uh, fortunate bounce or two come playoff time. Well, Rick, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this and uh, have fun at the game on Saturday. You got it. Enjoy. Take care. hockey season so it's time to bring in jets radio analyst jamie thomas to the show ahead of the young stars classic jamie excited for some hockey oh always yeah and i I've, i think i've said this to you before i i really enjoy this tournament it's it's nice to go out there and see a lot of my peers and also see the you know top prospects of the four western canadian teams and uh, just a great great scene you know in, in Pennsylvania, bc and i get my peaches and cherries um, addiction is taken care of for for the next year. You're from out there, right? Well, from Alberta, but I went to I went to Penticton every year for holidays growing up for the first 25 years of my life. So, um, yeah, I I really enjoy going out there. So you're going to be busy when you're not at the rink, then meeting up yeah, with people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, obviously, there's two two lakes in Penticton too that I can go swimming in. It's supposed to be like 28 this weekend. Oh my. So uh, I'll, I'll take care of that aspect of it. Of course, you know, calling the games and uh, all that other fun stuff. And, um, you know, I get to do some not-so-long walk, walks on the beaches with a few players. And uh, we're going to drive around Penticton with Mark Morrison, uh, the coach of the Moose, because he attended uh, Okanagan Hockey School growing up there. So we're going to get him to regale some stories of childhood um, uh, in the car. So uh, look forward to watching that on WinnipegJets.com when you get a chance. And somehow you're going to have to find a place to watch Sunday night football too, because the Dolphins <laughs> yeah. and Patriots are on. You're a big Dolphins fan. Yes, of course. And uh, you know we we as Dolphin fans uh, are excited. Um, it's nice to see that Tua took some responsibility. And I'm not placing all his injury woes on him last you know, specifically on him, but it, it wasn't he wasn't finger pointing, right? He wasn't saying, "Hey, give me a new offensive line, give me some new weapons." You know, he learned how to fall. He got stronger, uh, beefed up a little bit too. So. Um, I think it was pretty interesting how he took some initiative in that department as well, right? Not just saying it's everybody else's fault that he got hurt the way that he did last year. And handy that the uh, the Jets and Vancouver play Sunday at 4 when yeah. the Dolphins-Patriots game begins at 7.20. It's, so. it's funny how the schedule works out in some ways. And we're, we're, I think we'll get into time tomorrow 
to watch Thursday night football as well, depending on the roads. I think there's the highway between Kelowna and Penticton as we're regaling travel stories to everybody here. And I'm sure that's what they're tuning in for uh, is down to one lane between Kelowna and Penticton, just in case you're planning on traveling out here this week, uh, there this weekend. Yes. Penticton updates, uh, travel updates on the, on the sixes here on CJOB. Uh, We've got, so we've got the young stars are in town. We got to see them skate today and we're going to see them tomorrow. I know Jimmy Roy, we heard it earlier in the show telling Kelly Moore that, you know, line combinations, it's day one, whatever. (laughs) But at the same time, when you see Colby Barlow skating with Chaz Lucius and Nikita Chibrikov, that, that must be fun to see. Yeah, I think I think it's exciting, right? And uh, you you can't blame Jimmy for downplaying it a little bit because I, I I get where he's coming from. You don't want to put too pressure on too much pressure on everybody, but listen, it's two first round picks. Another guy, you know, first off, Barlow and Chibrikov have pretty good shot, like elite shots, and you're putting them in with a good playmaker and Chaz Lucius, who's got a pretty good shot of himself. Uh, and you're, you know, you put three of them together. There's reason for optimism, and it's exciting for anybody. We're 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 dying for something at this point, hockey-wise. Uh, I don't want to speak for everybody, but you know, most hockey fans are looking for something to to feed off of at this point. And um, watching those guys together, hopefully, you know, likely Friday on Game One uh, against the Edmonton Oilers of of the Young Stars Classic is something to almost salivate over, right? And uh, you know, Chaz Lucius, we've been. You feel bad for him, but I, I really like how Jimmy Roy put it into perspective today. He's learning, you know, he's already faced a lot of adversity, having gone through three surgeries uh, early in his young career, having to miss significant time, especially in his draft year. Last year, he, you know, he starts with the Manitoba Moose, goes to the World Juniors, then gets sent to Portland and is dominating in Portland and then injures his shoulder and he's, he has surgery in February and he's done for the year. Like it just, he can't seem to catch a break, but he's gone through, he knows what you know, Jimmy said it best. He's going to get hurt again at some point in his, in his pro career. So now he knows what to do, what to do, how to deal with it mentally and certainly physically too, right? He's had very unique, you know, ankle injuries, shoulder injuries. Now you're just thinking at this point, okay, hopefully all the bad luck is behind him, and he can put it together and have a, a good season, uh, likely with the Manitoba Moose this year, and maybe get some looks with the with the big club. But let's just pigeonhole him in with the Moose at this point and and see how he develops in his first pro year. Who else are you looking forward to seeing here? Because we've got this blend of of top prospects, first round picks. Yeah. You've got guys that are lowered picks. There's people on on free agent invites. Who are you? Who are some other players you're looking forward to seeing? Well, I, I mean, it's easy to say Dominic DiVincenzo, but I got a good look at him last year. You know, he played the final game of the tournament, and we've seen him, and he was Ontario Hockey League goaltender of the year. But now. You know, Thomas Millich, like here's a guy that's undersized by, you know, NHL goaltender status, you know, status, you know, you're used to six, three, six, four, but this guy, this kid has found ways to win, right? He won gold with Canada, at the world juniors. He took a Seattle team to the Western hockey league final won that all, you know, went to the Memorial cup, uh, had a pretty good stretch there. So he's found ways to win no matter his size, you know, if we want to call it a disadvantage, because I'm just so used to seeing the big guys, you're used to seeing Connor Hellick, six four. you know, Thomas Millish is around six feet and pushing it. Right. But he is a competitor. So I'm looking forward to seeing and it's just the two goaltenders. So likely they'll split, split one game. I'm guessing this of course, and they'll get a full game each or at some point, they're going to play, you know, game and a half. 
if we're going to, if we're going to be serious here. So we'll get a good look at both of them that way. But Thomas Milich, I want to see what this young guy has, uh, is, you know, as he enters the pro part of his career, he's not going to go back to junior this year. So whether he's with the East coast or finds a way to play with the Manitoba Moose, we'll see, but this is a good starting point for him. And then there's another kid named Carson Golder, um, who played both defense and forward with the Edmonton Oil Kings. He scored uh, 31 goals in the Western Hockey League. Uh, he's a gamer. He won a Western Hockey League championship with the Oil Kings. Of course, Brad Lauer would uh, have some familiarity with him. So I'll, be, I'll, I'll uh, have a good eye on him as well. Um, so those are just two guys that maybe people aren't really thinking of as they go into this tournament this weekend. And the last Salamonson, right? We haven't seen him. We saw him at development camp, had a great season last year in Sweden's already played a little bit, uh, in the Swedish elite league this year, uh, as well. Um, whether or not he stays here and plays in Manitoba with the moose or not, we'll, we'll find out how this, this all works out. But, uh, you know, he's, we can see if he's going to build off a, a solid campaign last year and Dimitri Kuzman. Um, you know, the Belarusian kid uh, defenseman as well, who has some offensive flair to his game is a little physically despite his size. So um, there's, there's enough guys, enough meat and potatoes on this roster where you're going to be wanting to, to keep an eye on it as the three games roll through this weekend in, in BC. I think from a goaltending point of view, we're, we're entering an interesting time in the jets yeah. because of uh, the questions surrounding Connor Hellebuck, obviously, right. We're not saying Thomas Millich and Dominic DiVincentis are going to be playing in the NHL next year yeah. if, if Hellebuck leaves, but yeah. we're we're starting to think more about, okay, what does life look like after Connor Hellebuck? And these are two guys with a lot of accolades coming into camp. Yeah. How often do you have the Western Hockey League and Ontario Hockey League goaltenders of the year coming into your training camp? And I, I mean, the future, in that aspect, I think, you know, you. I've always loved Dominic DiVincentis' attitude because – you know, we've talked to him about why'd you go to the draft, you know, last year, if you were unsure if you're going to, you're going to be drafted and you just simply said, I didn't want to miss a big moment. And, you know, you heard the big loud cheer in Montreal, you know, Kelly was there, he heard it and um, family and friends were around him. So you can kind of see where he's coming from. And he, and he, then he follows it up with a tremendous season, right? And he has a great chance at playing for Canada, the world juniors this year. So I, I we don't want to, put the, uh, the, the car before the horse here, but I just, it's, you're looking for positives here. And I think they're in a good place. Um, you know, a seventh round pick goes on and wins the Ontario hockey league goaltender of the year could play at the world juniors this year. Strong chance he does. Um, and then you have the other goaltender that played at the world juniors already and won gold. And I've gone over the accolades for, for Thomas Millich, but you look like you're in a good spot right now. Now it's just, uh, when they leave junior, which Thomas Millich will this year, Dominic DiVincentis is going to play in North Bay again this year. When they do and they go on to pro hockey, can they make that develop, that next step? Because, you know, goaltending takes a little while longer to figure out. So are they three, four, or five years away? We're not sure about that right now. But there's some positivity. You have a kind of an eye on what the Jets goaltending situation will look like maybe three, four years down the road. Thomas Millich is 20. Dominic DiVincenzis is 19. A lot of guys born in that range coming to this camp, but there's also players like Simon Lundmark, who's yeah. turning 23 next month. Uh, yeah. You've got as well other 2000 birthdays, Parker Ford and Thomas Caron, who's who bounced between the ECHL and the AHL last year. What yeah. does this camp mean for, for players like them? 
I, I think there's a lot of, you know, it, it, it gets them going and gets them a head start on a lot of people. It gets them into game action. You know, you're the older player there. You have that veteran presence, too, uh, over top of these younger prospects that the Jets will be rolling out there. But, you know, for someone like Simon Lundmark, who had a tough year last year, you know, a challenging year, um, he had high accolades coming into, you know, last season with, with the Manitoba Moose, but just couldn't piece a consistent effort together night over night that's this is a chance to get your game going get your confidence going up again um and and make a name for yourself you know mark morrison clearly was there and he knows what simon lundmark can do you know i, I look at even henry nikonen who has found a role as a penalty killer with the manitoba moose right so it's just it's certain things to get things rolling here see how these all these players fit together from a prospect part but i also feel like the development part and getting them going earlier than the other guys, uh, I think, is is a bonus for these young players that go to Penticton. Have we talked about Brad Lambert yet? Have we mentioned his name yet? Because, I mean, this is a guy that was so awesome in camp last year, a lot of fun. Then he he goes to the Seattle Thunderbirds and tears it up. I mean, there's some. it's going to be fun to see him play too, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, and I, I, I like the way you started because you, it's the low-hanging fruit. Everybody wants to see how Brad Lambert, the first-round draft picks are the sexy conversation pieces. And, you know, Brad Lambert, you know, gets drafted, plays for the Manitoba Moose last year. Obviously, as a younger player, it is extremely challenging to play in the American Hockey League. It helped Cole Perfetti, but those were different times, right? And also last year, it might have helped Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius, for that matter, help them understand what pro hockey is about a little bit earlier than they ordinarily would go, would play in the American hockey league. So I think it was also important for Chaz Lucius, even though it was a short period of time, and especially for Brad Lambert to go back to junior play amongst their peers, dominate the way Brad Lambert did help Seattle get to a Western hockey league final, win that, and then, you know, make some noise in the Memorial cup. I think it was very important for Brad Lambert to get that confidence back and his skill level up and, and allow him to dominate one more time before he does make that next step uh, to, to the American Hockey League level and maybe a couple of games here and there with the Jets in particular in, in uh, the, the preseason here. Um, I think he's learned some lessons. Uh, I think he learned some lessons last year that you can't just skate through everybody at the NHL level, even though every once in a while you can do it, with especially your speed and uh, your elite skill. Um, but I think he learned some big lessons that he'll take into this year, and I think you're going to see a much more confident Brad Lambert uh, entering the 23-24 season. Get you out of here on a news item as well of the day with Declan Chisholm signing his RFA deal, one-year two-way contract worth yeah. $775,000. He's not waiver-exempt anymore. This happened with Jonathan Kovacevic last year where yeah. they, the Jets lost him on waivers to the Habs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you foresee being the situation for Chisholm this year? My goodness, right? It's There's, there's clearly a logjam in the organization. Um, it, it's extremely hard to navigate the idea of a, how this is going to look. Uh, we, we pretty much know that Rick Bonus is going to carry eight defensemen. He did it last year. He said flat out you need eight defensemen um, in the National Hockey League because of injuries. And certainly the Jets didn't have that many of them. And the, the big one to me clearly was Logan Stanley, who never really got to get his foot in the door with a new coaching staff because he just could not stay healthy through no fault of his own. But it's going to be extremely challenging for the organization to figure out what they're going to do with Declan Chisholm. And, you know, with that, without that ability to send them back to the American Hockey League, um, you know, there's a strong chance that somebody's going to, to grab him, right? He's, he's had two solid offensive years 
with the moose um, has developed, has gotten better year over year. Um, but I, I will say this, like it's where, where does this all fit in, right? Where, what pieces fit in? You, you, you have to figure out what you're going to do. You know, Dylan Sandberg took a big step last year, um, you know, possibly being a top four guy. And I think his confidence is even higher from an offensive side of his game because of the role that he played for the United States at the World Hockey Championships. Now, whether or not that translates to the NHL for him this year, but I think that green light came on to him, what the coaching staff was trying to get through to him through all of last year about being more aggressive and thinking offense a little bit more. Um, now he has an idea of what that looks like and can see what he can do. Now he's not going to go and score 10 or 11 goals this year, but still that idea is there. Now you have Nate Schmidt, you have Brendan Dillon. Like the, I mean, the, the whole idea, we don't know where Dylan DeMello fits in. You know, Dylan DeMello and Brendan Dillon are both in the final year of their contracts, but that doesn't help Declan Chisholm this year. So it, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how Declan fits into the Jets' plans and how they make that work this year. And we haven't even talked about Billy Hanley yet, right? So it's just uh, organizationally they, have, they are very deep on the back end, but it could be problematic. Uh, and maybe lead to losing Declan Chisholm, but I don't want to speak that far ahead. I just want to see, you know, he comes into camp and see how confident he is, and he should be. He's had two great years um, with the Manitoba Moose, and we'll see if he can build off that in, uh, this season. One of the questions going into Jet, Jets training camp, which is soon, but first up, the Young Stars Classic, Jamie Thomas, part of the call on the Winnipeg Jets website, streaming those games starting on Friday, the first game with the Young Stars of the Jets facing Edmonton at 6 p.m. They face Vancouver's Young Stars at 4 p.m. Sunday and Calgary's at 12 p.m. Monday. Jamie, thanks for this. Have fun out west, and we'll look forward to talking to you a lot in the coming months. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a great, uh, I was about to say weekend, but it's only Wednesday. (laughs) All right. That is Jamie Thomas, Jets radio analyst here on CJOB. Thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect.